Welcome to On Attachment, a place to learn about how attachment shapes the way we experience dating, love, and relationships. I'm your host, relationship coach and attachment expert, Stephanie Rigg, and I'm really glad you're here. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of On Attachment. Today's episode is all about five ways to support an anxiously attached partner. So this is a follow-up to last week's episode, which was five ways to support an avoidant partner. We received a lot of really beautiful feedback about last week's episode. And so I'm really looking forward to sharing with you today from the anxious perspective, some really, you know, straightforward and actionable ways that you can contribute to your partner's experience of safety if your partner is someone who tends more towards anxious attachment. So I know that a lot of people in my community are themselves anxiously attached and there's a good chance that if you're listening to this, that might be your experience. And so if that is you, I really encourage you to listen nonetheless, as it will likely give you some insight into, you know, things that you can ask for in your relationship that might really help with alleviating some of your uh, more anxious thoughts and behaviors. Um, But it also might be a really nice opportunity to send this to your partner, to share it with them um, and really invite them into your experience a little better. I think often when it's coming from a third party, it's it's often easier for us to hear. Um, So it might be a nice way to, you know, share and, and offer insight to your partner and, you know, maybe from there be a springboard into conversation, greater, you know, understanding and connection. So without further ado, let's dive into five ways to support an anxiously attached partner. The first one that I want to speak to here is to prioritize openness and transparency wherever possible. So for the anxious person, uncertainty is a really, really big trigger. So as soon as there's any vagueness, any uncertainty, any doubt, uh, the anxious person will typically fill in the blanks with a really catastrophic interpretation or the worst case scenario. It's like wherever there's a gap, fear fills that gap um, and can get pretty out of control pretty quickly. And while, you know, as the partner to an anxious person, that's not your responsibility to ensure that they don't become anxious or that their anxiety is not exacerbated. You can really uh, contribute to their experience of safety by just offering up, you know, more information, more disclosure um, than you otherwise might, obviously, while still respecting your privacy. um, But, you know, just giving details on things like you know, if you're going to catch up with friends, like offering up information on who's going to be there. Um, it's not that you're doing anything wrong and that you're needing to explain yourself. And particularly if you're an avoidant person, it might feel that way. And you might tell yourself that story, uh, but just giving quite a lot of information and, and what you might deem to be over disclosing will really, um, give a lot of comfort and safety to the anxious person because they're not going to uh, start creating stories around, you know, what might be happening, um, where there's any doubt or, or vagueness there. So if you can prioritizing that openness, um, steering clear of anything that might come across as being secretive, um, or being vague, 
that that will really, really help your anxious partner. And if you're wanting to support them to not be so, you know, paranoid, that's a really good starting point. And I think oftentimes it's an easy give uh, because as I said, it's not about sacrificing, you know, reasonable levels of privacy. It's just taking that extra time and effort to, you know, give them context, give them a bit of insight into your experience and knowing that that will, you know, set their heart at ease. Okay. The next one that I want to offer you here is to give regular and ideally gratuitous or unprompted reassurance to your partner. So I think what can often happen here is uh, an anxious person will become anxious. There'll be some sort of uh, fear bubbling away under the surface uh, and they start to protest. So they'll have their protest behaviors that might be you know, getting really critical or reactive or at the other end, they might get really sulky uh, in a way that's, you know, inviting you to ask them what's wrong. And they might say something like, you don't care about me. You know, you never ask me how I am. You don't love me, whatever it is. And then the, the partner in response to that might say, of course I do. Of course I love you. Of course I care about you and give the reassurance. But the reassurance is coming in response to insecurity Um, And while again, like, you know, and it is like a a blanket statement for all of these discussions, that's not your responsibility. And it's not about um, encouraging or, or enabling their behaviors to the extent that, you know, there's some emotional immaturity going on there, or, you know, they're not being as healthy in their communication as they could be, given that this is about, you know, how you can support them best in those moments. Um, I'd really encourage you to not wait until they're feeling insecure to give them reassurance. Again, if you are more avoidant, uh, it might not ever occur to you to give someone this reassurance, you know, just apropos of nothing. But for the anxious person, it means the world. If you would just regularly say things like, you know, telling them how much you love them, like how much you care for them, how much you appreciate them, um, giving them compliments on their appearance or noticing little details saying like what you're wearing looks really, really nice on you. I love that color on you, whatever. It's like, Oh, just show them that you notice and show them that you love them and care for them and appreciate them. And I think taking it even a step further, it's like, say why you love them, right? Saying I love you is nice. Um, hearing I love you is nice. Hearing why someone loves you is really nice. Um, and that really, I think that lands differently and feels a lot more connective and there's a lot more depth to that. So if you can give your partner regular um, and unprompted reassurance and reinforcement rather than waiting until things get a little um, tense or until there's a rupture and, you know, offering that as a, as a way to repair. Okay. So the next one that I want to offer you here is to try to understand that it is really, really hard for anxious people to ask for what they need directly. And so it can be really helpful for you to open up that conversation, for you to lead the way on asking them what they need, how you can support them, asking them how they are going at a, at a deeper level than, you know, run of the mill every day, how are you? You know, asking them sort of like, how's your heart going? And I think like, you know, if you're trying to understand your anxiously attached partner, you've got to understand that 
they lean so heavily towards behaviors like chronic people pleasing, self sacrifice, um, savior complexes. These things are really common among anxiously attached people. And, you know, no matter how that plays out, it almost always leads back to this place of putting themselves last uh, and really struggling a lot to ask for what they need. So if you are listening to this and you are either secure or more avoidant leaning, if you need something, you just take it or you might, you might ask, or you might just say, Hey, I am, I need some space. So I'm going to, you know, take the next few days to myself. And that doesn't feel, um, you know, scary for a lot of people to just ask that. It's like, yeah, well, that's what I need. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, for an anxious person, it doesn't quite work like that. <laughs> they are so afraid of putting themselves first because they've got this, this learned pattern that the way to, uh, be loved by someone is to, uh, to do things for them, um, to tend to them, to care for them, to give, right. This overgiving thing. Um, and you know, they've learned that that's how they make themselves useful in a relationship is by overgiving to extreme levels. And so it can be really hard for them to flip that on its head and actually, you know, prioritize themselves, take up space, um, use their voice, be proactive in asking for what they need and feel really scary. So again, as much as that's not your responsibility to solve that one for them, it can soften the blow a little and, you know, create more safety for them for you to proactively show that you care about their needs by saying, you know, what do you need? Is there anything that you need? How are you feeling about the relationship? you know, all of those things that open up the dialogue, particularly if you are more comfortable with that kind of communication than they might be, um, showing them that you care and that you're interested in their needs um, and, you know, giving them the space to express that can be really supportive. Okay, this next one is probably mostly directed to avoidant partners um, but equally secure people as well if, if it applies. And that is if you need space, particularly during times of tension or conflict, please be sure to put boundaries around when you're coming back. Okay. If you say to your anxious partner, look, I just need some space. I just need time to myself. And that's the end of the sentence. And you then just leave, you know, I just need to think about some things and you don't give them any indication of when you're coming back or reassurance that you are coming back, that is going to be intensely distressing for them. Really, really hard. I think it's so important to understand that a fear of abandonment is at the heart of anxiously attached people's programming around relationships, right? Like they have this deep fear that they're going to be left uh, and they don't know how to navigate that fear and they don't know what to do other than to hold on, right? To cling, to grip, to try and control their way to connection. And so if you are feeling the need for space or time to yourself, whether that's in conflict or otherwise, but particularly during conflict, it is so essential that you say, you know, I need some time for myself. I will call you in a couple of hours, or I'm going to go for a walk. I need to cool off. I'll be back in half an hour. If it's longer than that, and you actually do feel like you need a longer break in the relationship, again, say, 
let's touch base next week to talk about things. I just need a little bit of time to myself. I don't want you to worry. Something like that, that like wraps it up in a bit of reassurance and doesn't feel like this, you know, gaping hole, you know, where they're just going to be really spinning into again, that like uncertainty and fear and catastrophe. Uh, If you can put boundaries around your need for space that really allows you, you know, it's a compromise, right? You get your space, but they get their reassurance that there is going to be a reunion after that space. So I think that, you know, arguably this is the most important point in this episode is to put boundaries around your need for space. Okay. The last one here, and this is sort of a, a counterpoint to last week's episode on avoidant partners and love languages, um, is, you know, if you're an, in relationship with an anxious person, really encourage you to speak and learn their love language rather than yours. So last week we spoke about how avoidant people tend towards, you know, nonverbal love languages, things like quality time or gift giving or acts of service. Anxious people almost always, in my experience, I've yet to meet an anxiously attached person who doesn't fall into this category. Their sort of main love languages, their preferences in terms of how they give and receive love are words of affirmation and physical touch. So giving compliments, as I said before, you know, around giving like reassurance and and unprompted like reinforcement and reassurance, you know, giving those words of affirmation, like telling them that you love them, telling them, you know, that you think they're attractive, telling them how much you value them and why uh, that is so meaningful to an anxious person. It really contributes very profoundly to their sense of safety. Physical touch, you know, the anxious people are very affectionate. Um, so they're likely to really value not only like sexual intimacy, although that's definitely a piece, but feeling connected through holding hands, through eye contact, through, you know, cuddling, kissing, um, physical closeness is really important. And so recognizing that you can really help your partner feel very loved by incorporating more physical touch and affection into your relationship, whether that's something like you're watching TV and, you know, you massage their shoulders or something, things like that is just like, it's total balm to the soul of an anxiously attached person. It really, really helps them to feel loved and cared for and safe. Um, so yeah, prioritizing physical touch and words of affirmation. And particularly, you know, if you are, again, if you are more avoidant leaning and you're listening to this, that might feel a bit edgy for you, right? Because it's likely that those are not your love languages. But in the same way that my advice to people last week was to to try and learn and speak, you know, their partner's love languages around, you know, the more nonverbal things, things like quality time or gift giving, Um, you know, part of this whole dance of secure relating is trying to meet in the middle and trying to understand our partners more. It's not competitive, right? And, you know, it's, it's probably worth me saying, because as much as I've received some beautiful feedback this past week or so, when talking about, you know, how to cultivate greater understanding of your avoidant partner and, and all of that, equally, I've gotten a lot of people, um, saying things like, why should I have to do all the work? Why should I have to, you know, respect their need for space? Why should I have to change my way of doing things to accommodate them? And frankly, I can understand the frustration and resentment if you feel like you've been a bit stuck in a rhythm with your partner and you do feel like it's 
um, imbalanced or one-sided in terms of the effort going into creating a healthy relationship. But I assure you that that mindset of competitiveness of like, it's unfair of point scoring of like, I do this and you do nothing. That is just the antithesis of what secure relating looks and sounds like. And so while I understand it, and frankly, I've been there, it doesn't get you any closer to what you desire, which is connection. So if you can shift out of that and experiment with loving, you know, giving your love freely and unconditionally rather than in this transactional tit for tat kind of way, because ultimately when you're in that space, you're giving love to try and get something right. It, it is kind of manipulative in a way. So if you do notice that kind of thinking come up for you, when you hear these kinds of pieces of advice around shifting to accommodate your partner and trying to see things from their point of view, trying to cultivate more compassion. If you do feel that resentment coming up, get curious about it, right? Get curious about what the story is that you're telling yourself around asymmetries in your relationship um, and, and what that might be pointing to, which I would say is really like that that's, that's the growth edge. So yeah, I hope that this has been helpful. Again, if you're an anxious person, you're listening to this, I hope that, you know, it's given you food for thought on some things to communicate to your partner around ways that they could support you. And if you're not an anxious person, if you're more secure, avoidant or, or whatever else, um, I hope that this has given you a bit of insight into what that experience can be like and given you some tools for how you can be supportive, how you can really, you know, be a better partner and and love your partner better because I think that's what we should all be shooting for. Thanks again, everybody. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd be really grateful if you could leave a quick review, leave a rating. Um, Reviews in particular are hugely helpful in getting the word out. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, takes you 30 seconds um, and I can't overstate how helpful that is to me. So super appreciative. Um, But otherwise, thank you so much for joining me and I look forward to seeing you all next week. Take care, guys. Thanks for joining me for this episode of On Attachment. If you want to go deeper on all things attachment, love and relationships, you can find me on Instagram at stephanie underscore underscore rig or at stephanierig.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you could leave a review and a five-star rating. It really does help so much. Thanks again for being here and I hope to see you again soon.